All right, Luke chapter 21 today. We're going to start right from the beginning of the chapter. Luke 21. If you're using a Bible that is provided for you, it's going to be page 908. 908 for you to look at. You can turn there if you'd like to. In Luke chapter 21. I think what I'll do is I'll read these first four verses. We're going to be looking at the first four, and then we'll talk about that a little bit. It says, He looked up, and he saw the rich dropping their offerings into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow dropping in two tiny coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all these people have put in gifts out of their surplus, but she, uh, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. I don't really remember the first time I heard this story, but I know it seems like I've known it most of my life. From my early Sunday school days, I can remember having this story told to me, uh, taught to me, and uh, how great it was that this lady sacrificed what little she had, and she took it to church. I think it really permeated somewhat of at least the culture, the church culture in which I lived because um, I put, I think I, yeah, I put two pennies in my pocket this morning when I would get ready to go to Sunday school, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but my mom used to always give me two pennies to, to, to go to Sunday school with, and they would take a little offering. And I don't know if part of this comes from this, but there was something in at least the culture of the church in which I grew up that it, you just didn't consider even going to church unless you had at least something to give, right? You didn't, you didn't want to be caught at church without something to give. And so my mom used to give me at least two pennies. So that I could contribute, probably because in case I lost them, being, uh, you know, not paying attention. If I lost them, it was only a few cents. But she always made sure I had those couple pennies. And I was thinking about that as I was reading this story. You know, and we have to remember that we started this book a long time ago. And we've gone all the way from the very beginning, the birth of Christ, All the way through the life of Christ, we've walked along the roads with Jesus and we've entered cities and exited cities and we've gone to different places. And so we've seen the life of Christ. And what's hard for us, I think, is to try to hold all of those messages and all of those chapters. It's it's hard for us to hold all of that into our mind so that when we get to Luke 21, We might even be struggling to remember what we heard last week. So if we don't really remember that, then we have a story that is sort of broken up. And I think what happens, unfortunately, is for us, because it's hard to contain all of that, and we've been doing this for how long in Luke? A long time, right? And and you've gotten little segments week by week or month by month, and then you took the summer off. So... It's, it's hard to remember all the stories and keep the whole thing together in its total context 
that's kind of hard to do. And so I think one of the things that we want to try to do today with this story that is probably familiar. I, I'm, most of you heard this story before, okay? The story of the widow's might. This isn't a total unfamiliar story. And so as we, as we hear this story or as we recall this, we want to make sure that we see it in context of everything that has happened in the past, everything that's going on, and everything that's about to happen in the future, okay? So Jesus has entered Jerusalem, right? This is the, it's the last week. He's almost ready to go to Calvary's cross. And he came into Jerusalem, and he enters the synagogues. And do you remember the thing that he first did? See, this is the hard part of it, right? He goes into the synagogue, and he sees something that he doesn't like going on. And what did he do? Do you remember? Huh? Yeah, he flipped over the tables, right? Okay, so we want to start remembering all of this in uh, in in context, because if we if we don't if we just pull it out, and the, I mean I think it's great that there was a lady who gave the last two cents, right? I think that's uh, that's a great example. Um, but if we just saw this as a standalone, it would almost be like perhaps Jesus came into the synagogue and then he comes into the court of women and he sits down. And right before his death, he just wants to make sure that we get this little snippet of information about how we should give, all right? And I think there are some general principles here. Um, we usually come to conclusions like, uh, when we look at this story, and we read it just by itself, we come to conclusions like, when it comes to giving to God, it's not about the quantity. After all, God owns everything, right? It's not about the quantity, he doesn't need anything, but rather the quality of our heart, okay? And we know that the Bible tells us we're to be cheerful givers, and so you've got ideas like that. Uh, we've got the idea that God wants us to give sacrificially. The rich gave, but they had plenty in reserve, so maybe it didn't hurt them as much or really didn't matter as much. She gave all she had. There was nothing left over. And it appears that, uh, you know, you got this idea, well, maybe Jesus then was just trying to, you know, we have that old quote, give till it hurts, okay? And maybe there's something like that going on, okay? Uh, if you give everything, maybe is God saying or is Jesus saying that, you know, the people he's really happy with are the people who give every single thing they absolutely have? You know, <laughs> so then you've got ideas like that. All right. So if you just pull this out. And so what I kind of want to do today is there could be some general giving ideas that you see there. But let's try to remember what's happened in the past. Let's try to remember what's about to happen and just look at the story in the context in which it falls. OK. Because there's, honestly, when you think about it, there's the act of giving is an important part of the Bible. In the New Testament, I think there's over 100 references to the act of giving. And the word give appears about 2,100 times in Scripture. Okay, so 
giving is important, and these verses uh, have often been somewhat of a, you might call the gold standard, you know, take this verse, and, and if you're giving a, a message on some type of giving, all right, people will bring these verses up. So I, I think there could be some universal things, obviously, that you can draw from there, but let's just look at what's happening in the whole context of the story and just try to, uh, maybe this, what happened here can have a little bit better impact on us uh, this morning, okay? So these are the last few days of Jesus' life. He's entered Jerusalem. He'll soon be crucified on the cross. We see that as he comes to Jerusalem, he goes into the temple and he cleansed the temple of the money changers. Now, what did we say was happening there? What, what was going on with that? What, what was happening that was such difficulty? Dave? Okay, making, uh, making a business out of it. So there were some rules. People had to come, and the law required, and Jesus in Matthew 23, he told them, now the scribes and Pharisees are giving you certain laws, and you should follow those laws, right? You should follow their laws, just don't follow their example, right, <laughs> the, way, the way they live. But you need to follow their laws because who gave those laws? Those, God had given those laws, and there were certain things that they needed to do. And so they needed to perform sacrifices, right? So you remember all the way back to the Old Testament. What was, how, how do you, you bring the best of what you have, and you bring it, and you sacrifice it to the Lord, right? You remember that? So we had to sacrifice the, the best that we have to the Lord. Well, bringing things, I'm sure, over time got very difficult, okay? There were things that were uh, very hard. So people got thinking about streamlining how they're going to do this. If you didn't have anything to bring, you could do what? You could buy it there. You could buy it there for a price. You could buy the animals. You could buy the pigeons. You could put in the money, and you could purchase them there, rather than bringing them with you. So they had that set up. And then also they were required to put money into the treasury, but they had to use Jewish coins. So what if you lived somewhere else and you didn't use the Jewish coins? And so they said, well, we can, the money changers, we can exchange it for you. And we would be glad to exchange the money for you so that you have the proper coins when you go in and you put it into the treasury. We'll exchange it for you, but there's just one little thing we need to do. We need to charge you a little bit for that, right? <laughs> we need to charge you. You know, how many of you have ever gone to the ATM before and you put the money in and they say, yeah, you, get your, you need $5 or $10, we can get it, we'll get a 20 for you right now. But what? We need a little fee for that. You know, we're going to get a dollar for that or whatever it might be. All right. So there was this money changing going on and they were charging exorbitant amounts for that. And as a result, there were people who really could not afford a lot of that. And but they had to do the sacrifice. And so because they had to do the sacrifice, it was a good way to 
uh, I was in a position where I kind of forced to do it. And so I know I'm getting taken advantage of, but that's the way it is, okay? And Jesus saw this. And he saw that this was happening. He saw that this was going on. And so he comes into the temples and he, he turns that over. He, he sees what this system has turned into. He sees what men have made out of it. They've seen a way to take that which was a sacrifice to God and offerings to the Lord. And they've turned it into a way of profit and making all kinds of money. And, and he sees that, and he's, he's very disappointed. So you've got to remember that he's already starting to say there's something wrong with this system and something needs to change, right? So you, you see that building. So then we get to the next day, and he goes, uh, or, or, no, I'm sorry, uh, we He's at the temple, and he flips over the tables, and then it's Tuesday, and we go to the temple, and while they're there, he tells a parable about a vineyard. Do you remember Luke 20? Do you remember that parable of the vineyard? Caleb taught us that, all right? So he's telling a story about a vineyard, right? Remember, the guy bought a vineyard, and he got it all set up really nice. He got all the things that... The vineyard needed to be successful, and he got all everything in place. Nice vineyard, ready to go. And he, he got all of the equipment that was needed. And he got everything ready, and then he's going to go away, and so he leases it to some vine dressers that are going to then take over, and they're going to run it. And so they were running it, and he sends... A servant over, remember Caleb told us the story, he sends a servant over and he, he wants some of the fruits of their labors and you know what they do? They reject him, they turn him away, they tell him no. And then he says, oh, that was kind of rude, so he sends another one. They beat that, remember, they, they beat that one up and, and then they, they, they send one. So they continue to send, and finally he sends what? His son, right? And so he tells this story about these vine dressers and the their treatment of the person that owned it and the way that these servants or these vine dressers, these guys that had leased it, the, the way they treated the owner's servants, and when they heard it, they were angry, and they said, well, you know what? That vineyard needs to be taken away from those guys, and it needs to be given to somebody else. And when he said that, then they thought, uh-oh, maybe we shouldn't have said that. Maybe he's talking about us, right? That was the religious leaders. He's talking to the religious leaders when he tells this story and, and so, so you've got these two things going on where Jesus is saying this system that you have built and the way, of course, let me just back up a little bit. In that, he was talking about Isaiah 5. You can go back to Isaiah 5. You have that same story prophesied where I sent the prophets and you rejected them and the way that they have treated. And he said, based on that, there is going to be 
judgment, right? All right. So we have that story going on. So we can see that as Jesus is leading up to Calvary's cross, one of the things that he's saying is the system that is currently happening has really become a corrupt system. Something needs to change. Something needs done about the way that all of this is happening. All right. So we have that story. In Matthew chapter 23, what we really have is the full account of Jesus' judgment upon those who were in control, those who had been the stewards of the law. And so you get to Matthew chapter 23, and Jesus says, You need to obey the law, but don't follow the examples of the religious leaders, for they do not practice or obey what they teach. They crush people. He says in verse 4 of Matthew 23, they crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. I think that verse is critical. I think that verse is very important. And then in verse 23 of Matthew 23, Jesus calls them hypocrites for tithing plants from your herb gardens, but you completely ignore things like justice, mercy, and faith. And then at the end of Matthew 23, Jesus pronounces judgment upon the spiritual leaders. And at the end of Luke 20, Jesus says, Beware of the religious leaders. They desire to parade around in long flowing robes. They love respectful greetings. They love sitting in the seats of honor in the synagogue and, the head, and at the head table of, at banquets. Yet they are openly willing to cheat widows out of their property while at the very same time conducting long flamboyant prayers you take what little some have you take all of that from them and at the same time you've got your long flowing robes and you're sitting at the best seats you've got your long flamboyant prayers while you're taking advantage of others and so Jesus pronounces these judgments. And so when you start putting all of this together in the context, you realize that what he's looking at and what he's seeing is something that is, I mean, it, it's more than just breaking his heart. He went into the temples and he turned the t tables over and he said, this has to stop, right? This has to change. This can't continue like this. And then we get to our passage today. Where we see Jesus go into the court, and there was the court of the Gentiles was the first court. So the Gentiles could go. And then you had the next court, which called the court of women. And Jewish men and women could 
go in there, and in the court of women, you had the treasury. What is the treasury? That's the money that's coming in. That's where people were giving. That's where people paid the expenses uh, to the temple, and there were certain things they had to do. Uh, they had to give a temple tax, a half a shekel, and there would be... Uh, so you, you go in there, and, and for the treasury, there were these receptacles. They called them trumpets, but they were these receptacles. They were narrow at the top and wide at the bottom. One good thing about that, so when you put your money in, you couldn't change your mind, right? <laughs> it was narrow at the top. You couldn't reach in. No, there's no taking it back now. It's gone. I put it in. But there were these 13 places where they could give their money. A couple of them were for the tax, one was for the year prior, one was for that current year, had to put in your required tax, and they were labeled. So you had trumpets three and four, they were called trumpets because of the shape in which they were made, where you paid the equivalent value for the turtle doves or the pigeons. If you were going to use those for sacrifice, you could put the money in to pay for those. You could, uh, for the wood that was used at the temple, trumpet five, trumpet six, uh, paid for the incense, trumpet seven, paid for the golden vessels that were used, trumpet eight, if you put aside money for a sin offering and had anything left over, you could put it in there, nine to 13, trespass offerings, the Nazarite offerings, uh, if you were a leper and, and was cleansed, you could put that money in there, and uh they had free will offerings, and so there was lots of options, okay? Yeah, we got, we got one little black box over here, but uh, they, had, they had lots of options, and you knew what you were given to, and, you, you know, it had the names on it. And so Jesus has just pronounced this judgment. He's just flipped over these tables. He's just looked at what's happening and the way that this system has just basically just continued to take money from people and they're looking for special blessings and they're looking for a, a way to God and here's people just raking in the funds <laughs> and Jesus goes into this court where people are giving and it says he sat down and he's watching people as they come. And there's rich who are coming and they're putting their money in. And along the way comes this poor widow. And she's got her, she's got her two coins, right? She's got her two coins. And Jesus is watching all of this. And he's just told the Pharisees. This is what you do. This is how you treat people. And because of this, you are going to be judged. And it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to actually see it take place. And so the scribes and Pharisees are there, and he's sitting there. And they see the lady, and she comes up. And what does she do? She takes her two mites. She puts them in. She 
she gives what she has left. The only two coins that she has, and she puts them in the treasury. And she was, I believe, the perfect living example to them. You know, they can say, well, that's just you accusing us. That's just you saying we're taking advantage of the widows. That's just you saying that we've turned this system into, in this whole temple system, into uh, a den of robbers. That, that, that's what you think it is. That's what you say it is. That's your words. That's your accusations. It's one thing for him to say it. It's another thing for them to stand there. And then all of a sudden, here she comes. And when she puts him in, she's a live, living example of exactly what he had been talking about. You sit here with your long, flowing robes. You sit here with your best seats in the house. You sit here with all of your eloquent prayers that you pray, and you walk around getting all of this attention. And the widow just went because she's trying to get her blessing. She's trying to make her way to God, and she steps up and puts the last two. And you guys are actually okay with that. They had created a system where they could watch the poor widow give her last two coins and then become destitute. And the religious leaders had accepted that. And Jesus said, for what has happened here and what is happening here, something needs to change. In fact, while all of this was going on, if you look at the next couple verses, it says, and some were talking about the temple in verse 5. How it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God. He said, these things you see, the days will come when not, not one stone will be left on another that will not be thrown down. The temple was magnificent. That, that structure was beautiful. It took a lot of money to keep that thing going, that system going. And Jesus said, something needs to happen here. Something needs to change. Somewhere we've gotten our sight off of God. It's become, it's become about a money-making situation. The focus for them, the religious leaders had, in the large part, become about them rather than God, right? Jesus says something here needs to happen. And we see this living example of this one who does in front of them exactly what Jesus had been saying about you're robbing the widows and taking their property.
And somebody looks around and they said, isn't this a magnificent building? And Jesus says, you know what, there's coming a day. And he had given this prophecy and it had been prophesied. You look all the way back to Isaiah 5 and he says, there's coming a day when this temple's coming down and this system is going to end. And we know that in 70 AD, that prophecy took place. That temple was destroyed, and do you know that temple has not been rebuilt to this day? So you look at that, and you say, well, so what was Jesus? Was Jesus just someone who was angry at the end of his life, and so he kind of looked at this system, and he complained a lot about it, but he really... Was he one that just complained and wasn't willing to do something? And we say, no. Then we find the story of the gospel, right? Not only was Jesus saying this can't continue like this, but he says there needs to be (laughs) something different, something new. And not only was he looking for a solution, but Jesus Christ became the solution. He became the perfect sacrifice. And he went to Calvary's cross. He rose the third day, proving that he was very God and that all the things he had said were true, right? And he showed his power on that resurrection Sunday. You remember what happened in the temple? The veil was what? Was torn. And that division... That divide. And he says those who are in Christ can now come what? Boldly before him. The system changed. The one who desired that new solution. The one who said something has to change became that solution for us. And I think it's so fitting today that we take the end of this service then and we today are going to do the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table because when we do that, we are commemorating what? The broken body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for all those who have accepted him as their personal savior. We know that Jesus paid the price, right? He paid the price that we couldn't pay. It's no longer a system where if you're trying to get a blessing then those who have more money have more money to give to get those blessings, and those who had very little had not money to give and in desperation would give all that they have to try to get those blessings or to try to get themselves in a position where they could have favor with God. And Jesus says, I am, or through me, you can have a free gift. It's not about Rich or poor, 
This gift is free. And Jesus says, this is my body, which is given for you. This is my blood, which is shed for you. It's received by faith in Jesus Christ. And so I I hope that just as we put all of this together in the context, I'm not saying that it isn't an example of some type of giving or that you can't ever learn anything from that, but I think it has a lot to do with those who were mistreating others in order to help them, as they thought, get to God. And Jesus says, I'm going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And so today what we're going to do is we are going to, in this communion service, we're going to celebrate because Jesus says, as oft as you do it, we may not do this every Sunday, but as oft as you do it, we want to make sure that we do not forget what Jesus did for us. We don't want to forget that he went to Calvary's cross, that he endured the pain, the shame, the suffering for us. That he was that perfect sacrifice, so he was able to say, it is finished. And so today when they come and they pass out the bread and they pass the cup, if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you know he did that for you, then what we do is we invite you then to reach out and take that and uh, enjoy together this service and join us in celebrating and remembering what Christ did for us. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can, you know, kindly just Maybe sit this one out saying, I don't want to represent something that hasn't happened, but I certainly am interested in that. And I think I'd like to find out more about that because I want to know what Jesus did for me. If somebody died for me so that I could have the hope of eternal life, I'd like to know how to do. I'd like to know more about that. And so we invite you as well to see us so we can talk to you about that because we'd like to share with you how you can know that your sins are forgiven, and that you have the hope of eternal life. Okay, we want to be able to share that with you. So what we're going to do here in just a moment, we're going to, uh, I'm going to say a prayer. Got some guys that are going to help me pass this out. We're going to start in the back, and we're going to work our way forward. We're going to pass out the bread. When you get it, just hold on to it. We'll all eat together. I'll say a prayer, and we'll all eat together at the end. And then when that's completed, they'll pass out, they'll pass the cup, and you just take it, hold on to it, and then we'll all share together, and then we'll pray, and then we'll sing and close our service today, all right? So let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you for this little story that reminds us really looking back in history and what people went through in their attempt to find 
forgiveness, find atonement, the great price that they were paying. It's sad to see that others took a system that was already somewhat difficult for them and really added to it. That grieves our hearts when we see that and the injustice that was happening to people who could barely afford for that to, to take place. Lord, we want to thank you today that we live under a different system. The solution for the problem was found in the person of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we, we want to commemorate today and celebrate and remember. We don't want to forget that there was a time when you went to Calvary's cross and you died in our place. And so, Lord, we ask that as we pass the bread this morning, that uh, our hearts would be humbled, and that those who know you as Savior would be able to reach out and say, I am in communion and fellowship with God through Jesus Christ, and I want to remember that today. So we pray that you would bless our service as we continue. In Christ's name we ask, amen.